But um, that one day I got sick and Mark, man, Mark's a man. Called him that, that morning, dude, can you teach for me that tonight? And he just stepped up and I really appreciate my brother and the, the guys that God surrounded me with around here. But he stepped it up. And I still have a little cough, but be that as it may, we're going to get through this. But I'm so excited getting back into the book of Romans. Um, again, man, unless we're, we're taking some time off for a series, um, you know, after a couple of weeks, it's like, okay, man, got to get back, got to get back. And I, I, we're back, but we're still in chapter one. So if you're thinking like, man, where are we in the book of Romans? They're like, no, we're still in chapter one. Um, we have two studies that we've done, a couple of studies in that book. And the first study that we had was a long introduction, and it was kind of, my heart was to give you as much detail, as much history in the book of Romans, and, but Paul had a long introduction, the longest one in, in any of his other books, um, just kind of introducing himself because he had never been to Rome yet. Even though he had never been to Colossae, it wasn't a long introduction to them, but he really didn't have that connection with these guys except in the Lord. And he knew some people there, but it was a good long introduction that he had. And uh, the second study that we covered from verses um, like 8 to 17, he starts off by, by sharing how thankful he is to the believers in Rome. And, and although we hear that in all of his letters, how for the most part in all of his letters, how thankful he is to those who he is writing to. Um, as he is writing to them and being thankful, he is thanking them um, and thanking God for them in the sense that their faith, their faith, these believers in Rome, their faith has gone out throughout all the known world as a to- at, at that time. So whoever Paul was running into, they had either come from Rome or they themselves had heard from someone else about the believers in Rome. And so the gospel was going out. It was going, it had gotten to Rome, but now it was coming out of Rome. And because all the roads led to Rome, all the roads led out of Rome as well. And so the gospel was, was traveling. It was going all over the place. And Paul was so excited for the believers because of that. He was thanking God for them. He was thanking God for their, their faithfulness to him. But he was also thankful that he had the opportunity to go and he wanted to go and he longed to be with them even though from the time of his writing it was still going to be several years before he would get to Rome he he was writing to them as if man I'm going to be there next week man I am so excited to be there and he was so stoked about going and being there because he knew what the gospel had done in his life. He knew what the grace of God meant in his life, and he wanted to share it with them. They were experiencing the gospel. They had received the gospel. They were sharing the gospel. But there was something maybe that was lacking in their life that Paul felt, man, when I get there, I'm going to show you what it means to walk in the grace of God. And this is, this is what this whole book is all about, the grace of God. To to, to some people, they they have dubbed it the the gospel according to grace. And so even though they may have experienced the grace, he wanted to pour more into them about the grace. And he said in verse 11, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established. And so again, he had something on his heart and he wanted to, to share it with them. And so he was excited. And so let's read verses 1 through 17 really quick. 
and that, well, not quick for me, but quick. Um, and then we'll go on from verse 18 to the end of the chapter, hopefully. It says now, okay, not now, but it says Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, but declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the, known, throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart in to you the spirit, some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be in encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you but was hindered until now that I might by some have some fruit among you also just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Quick little break here. Again, he is so excited to go. He understands that, that God has given him a passion for the gospel. To preach the gospel. To minister to people. And even though God has already used him in many ways, everywhere where he's gone, he has preached the gospel. He has not lacked in his calling. God had called them to do this and he was not going to fall back. He was not going to falter. If you read what's happened in his life, man, if anybody could say, man, this Christianity stuff doesn't work for me, it could have been Paul. Everywhere he went, he had trials, he had tribulations, but none of those things moved him. He knew, he understood what it meant to walk with Christ, that it wasn't an easy road. He understood that, that he had been called to, to preach the gospel because, again, as he says, I am indebted to you. He couldn't but preach the gospel because of the debt that he felt he owed the Lord. Not them, but 
But the Lord, because I owe you everything, Lord, I want to go preach the gospel. And so he was ready. He was ready to go preach the gospel in Rome. He wasn't going to draw back. He wasn't going to falter in that. He said, I'm not ashamed. He's not ashamed. He knew who he was. Again, Rome was all about power. And yet they, had, they did not have the power to save. They had the power to overtake other countries and do all those things. But you know what? Rome would fall because they did not have the power to sustain. But Christ, He has the power to save. He has that kind of power. And Paul knew the power that was within him because of the gospel that he could go and preach the gospel and people would be saved for eternity. And so he was not ashamed and he wasn't going to back down. And he understood that it had power for salvation. And in it, the righteousness of God would be revealed. From the beginning to end, it would be about faith. And that's what he was all about. And so... He, he was going to go and share all that God had given to him. And so verse 18, to the end of the chapter. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what, they may, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. But since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of women of the women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, Undiscerning, 
untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. Wow. What we have here from from verse 18 of chapter 1, Till we get to chapter 3, verse 20. Paul here is, is kind of making a case. He's almost like bringing this into a court of law. And he's kind of going to make the case that all are guilty. Every man is guilty. And it's interesting, I was, I was listening to somebody about this, and they were saying that the book of Romans back in the day, I mean, it wouldn't happen today, but back in the day, some colleges, some colleges that, that taught law, they were, they were required back in the day to use the book of Romans to memorize it even because how articulate it was in its argument in, in, in building ca- the case. That, that because it was so logical that lawyers would learn from the book of Romans how, how to, how to do how to be lawyers. And so Paul, again, when you're looking at this, he he is now going to build this case that the whole world will be guilty before God. That's what we should, if if you turn over to verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 19, right before the end of this portion, he says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That is what he's going to get to. It's interesting because he's going to make the case against the pagan, against, against the immoral, the, 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 the Gentile, if you will. He's going to make the case about, against them as we're going to cover here. And as we get into chapter 2, he's going to make the case against even the pagan who is more in, more moral. But he's still going to say, but you're just as guilty as the pagan who is immoral. And then he's going to get to the Jew and say, you having the law and think that you're above it all are guilty as well. And that's when he gets to the end, verse 19, when we see, he finally says, you know what, I rest my case. They're all guilty. We are all guilty under, under this whole thing. And so he builds this case because no one has the upper hand here. No one is better than anyone else because there's people that we can compare ourselves to and say, well, I'm not as immoral as that cat over there, that person. And we can make ourselves look good. And Paul's saying, I will cover all these bases. None, no, not one is righteous. And he covers that. And he, and he proves to them. Because here he, he, he tells us that, that the righteousness of God is revealed in verse 18 or 17. He tells us that. He tells us that the gospel has the power to save. Now, if, if the righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel of God, then it, it is only natural that, that the other part of God is revealed as well, the wrath of God. 
Because if he's going to make the case that you're guilty, he has to prove to them why you're guilty. And why the wrath of God should come upon you. He said, oh, there's, there's, there's the righteousness of God. But there's another side of God that we don't often talk about, I think. We don't like to talk, talk about the wrath of God, but that's part of who God is. Now, it, 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 there's a sharp contrast be, between verse 17 and verse 18 here. Because he, he, he's again saying, man, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, and the, the just shall live by faith. But there's another aspect to God. And that is the wrath of God. And that is also revealed. If God is a just God, then in His justice, He reveals both sides of who He is. It would have been unfair for God not to share both sides. If we only knew about the righteousness of God and not the other part, then when we took advantage of the righteousness of God or never really came to the righteousness of God, and then we come to the judgment seat and He says, well, here's the wrath that's for you. You're going, wait a minute, nobody told me about the wrath. And so He's letting us know both sides. He says, as much as there is the righteousness of God, there is the, just, there is the, 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 the wrath of God. And so he, he gives us both sides here. And so it would not be fair that he wouldn't share both. And so because Paul has established the fact that the gospel of God has the power to save, Paul is making the case that all men are guilty. If man needs to be saved, what do they need to be saved from? From the wrath of God. Because all are guilty and there's a consequence for that. Man's greatest need is, is, is not the things of this world that he has to battle with. I think, I think the world says that we are so much in danger. The, the only danger that man is really in is falling into the hands of, a, of, of the living God without Christ. Man is not in danger of the ozone layer. He is not in danger of climate change. That's not what is the end all here. He should be fearing that God is a righteous God. That He is a just God. That's what man should be fearing. Not that we have combustible engines. Not any of those things. That is not what we are in danger of. That's not what we need to escape. We need to fix this plan. No, what we need to fix and try to fix is people's hearts. That's what our heart, that's what we should be doing. We should be saying, that's not your greatest need. Your greatest need is that you need to escape the wrath of God because you are in danger of being convicted if you died without repentance of going to hell. That's what we need to be saved from. And so Paul, again, as he's sharing these things, is, is talking about the wrath of God. And as I was looking at that, I was thinking, you know, I think sometimes we give people a false impression. Because we like talking about the love of God, and I do too, don't get me wrong. 
We give them the wrong impression that God is okay with sin, and He's not. And I think some people continue in this in their sin, thinking that they're saved when they're really not saved because they really have not repented. And we give the impression that God is really not bothered by it because He knows that you're a sinner anyway, so... You know, you can continue. It's like, no, he's not okay with sin. There, there, there is a judgment of God. And he does not play games with sin. And as righteous as he is, he is also a wrathful God. And man will fall into the wrath of God if they do not repent. If they do not receive the righteousness of God that comes through Christ Jesus, they will receive the wrath of God. But it's not because God loves pouring out His wrath. As much as that is part of His attributes, I don't think it's His handiwork. I don't think He he loves the fact that He has this much power to destroy. He would much rather see Him saved. First or Second Peter says that He wishes that all men be saved. That's His heart. He loves man. He created them in His image. He doesn't want them to 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 be to to feel his wrath but he will pour it out it's not like he loves giving it out it is because of the ungodliness that that towards god and the unrighteousness towards man that the wrath of god goes out as it shares in verse 18 Un- ungodliness is towards god not doing the things of god and here, the unrighteousness is towards man. And any time man, or man leaves or becomes ungodly, he will become wicked or he will continue in his wickedness. The, the word unrighteous here is wickedness. Some translations might have wickedness there. Ungodliness always leads men towards unrighteousness or wickedness. And if people don't fear God, why would they fear man? And, and people get, get themselves in a place where they, they, they suppress the truth. They begin to, to hold down the truth so that they can begin to live the way they want to live. And so Paul is saying the wrath of God will be poured out on those who suppress the truth. And as I was looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, it almost sounds like if we went back to the beginning, man got the truth. God gave them truth. And because of sin, they began to suppress the truth. It's almost like even today, Men have to suppress the truth because it is so evident. The truth is so evident. But they have to put it down. They have to, they have to put, it, put it away from them because it, it, the, 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 the truth almost shines so bright that they're going, I don't want the truth. They like their ungodliness. They like being ungodly and they like wickedness. And so if they can suppress the truth, then they can live their life the way they want to without being convicted by the truth. And so their desire here is to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. 
if they can continue in that, then they have no conviction. And once they, they start denying who God is and start putting them away, it says almost like in verse 19, because what, what, what made, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The, the, the creation that God has made speaks forth who He is. In Psalm 19, it says that the heavens declare His handiwork. And so when we begin to look at the world around us, every man, They suppress the truth. They say, well, God did not make that. They they begin to put things away because it's like, well, if if I have to admit that God made that, then then I, I have to be responsible for what I do. But again, God has shown it to them. He has manifested it to mankind. And yet they fight so hard to say, but God didn't make it because they don't want to acknowledge God. Even though He has made it manifest to them, He has clearly shown it to them. They deny it. And they deny it so that they can live the way they want to live. But they are without excuse, it says here. See, they can make excuses to you and I (laughs) to tell us that 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 what is what we see was not made by his handiwork. They could try to to say those things, then they convince so many people, and people have to fight against the truth day in and day out. And I truly believe that these people who continually fight against the truth are convincing themselves that God does not exist. Because the more that they can convince themselves and others that God does not exist exist, then they can continue in their wicked ways. And Paul's saying, the wrath of God is being revealed. The wrath of God is is going to come upon these people. And I think sometimes I, I have that attitude like, well, forget them if they want to deny the truth. That's a wrong heart to have for people that are lost like that. They are made in the image of God and yet they fight against Him. God has revealed Himself to them through creation. And I know that it's so hard to miss, but yet these people continue to to speak against the Creator, denying His existence. And when when they deny the existence of God, they are left to their own devices. And then they can do whatever they want and teach whatever they want. Those who are fighting against the existence of God are battling within themselves. I truly believe that, that they battle within themselves. And I think that's why they continue to, to try to spew out the fact that, that what we see is not really, or doesn't really come from the Creator. I, I, I was thinking about this in the sense that the, these, these people who call themselves atheists, 
who say that, that we're created by whatever it is, they have to convince themselves of those things because everything is speaking creation. Everything is, is speaking design. And yet they continue to, to say that there is no design. I, I, I remember <coughs> not too long ago, I seen the, the picture, a picture of a Mount Rushmore. And I was just playing around. I said, man, that thing took billions and billions of years to form like that. And I think the, the person at first thought, are you serious? Why would that be coming out of your mouth, you know? But just to, to, to speak of the foolishness that that, because it took so long, you know, the wind and the rain and all that stuff. And it's interesting that it looks like particular people. They all happen to be presidents. But it, 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 just, it just formed itself. It just like through, all, and they're like, and it's like, you know, again, you almost have to talk yourself into saying, no, that really happened. It happened through billions and trillions and whatever years. And it's like, sounds foolish, doesn't it? It, it, it's almost like, like saying whoever built this building here or, or the, this building just kind of came together. It really did. I, don't, I wasn't here, so I'm assuming it just, the wind, you know, it's windy up here and things just started coming together. And, and, and I could probably, you know, with enough convincing, convince you that this building just kind of came together. And these chairs just kind of got in the line like the, the way they are. We found this place just like this. Again, it sounds so foolish, but these people, they're, they're seeing creation day in and day out, and they're saying, no, it, it, that, it can't be God. It can't be created by a creator. It just kind of happened little by little. Because when you, again, you move into verse 21, it says, because, uh, because therefore, or although they knew God, not in the same way you and I know God, but they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And it's interesting because I was looking up that word fool, and I think the word was moros. And it means to be dull. But we get the word moron from that word. And I just thought it was interesting that they, they, they think themselves to be wise, but they're morons. When they, when they try to convince people that, the, that God, even though He's shown it to them, he has, he has clearly displayed it, are saying God didn't do it. And so if they can deny God, then they can make up their own thing, right? Then who did? Well, I don't know exactly, but it wasn't him. And they fight so hard against him. And so to me, I just feel like these people have battles within themselves all the time because they constantly have to try to tell themselves that it wasn't God. And, and in verse 23, it says that that they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made by corruptible men. So now they take the focus off of God that there isn't even an existence of God, but they turn it onto themselves. They become their own gods. 
And it's interesting because as they become their own gods and they begin to create things that look like men, that look like themselves, even though they can't speak or see or hear, but they say, that is what I worship. And it looks just like them, the Bible says. They begin to create things that look just like them, but they're not even satisfied with that. But you see, the, not the, the progression, the digression of these people, because all of a sudden they go from man to birds, and from birds to four-footed animals, and from animals to creeping things. It's like all of a sudden you have these bugs that they're worshiping, and it's just like, dude, you're digressing. Your God is a bug. And yet you see that even in, in some of these animals, they put man and animal together. It's like, no, really, that's the way they look. It's like, dude, you're getting loony up there. But it passes for, for what is right and what you, people should believe, right? Left to, left to himself, man becomes a fool. Because he, he says there is no God. And the fool is the one that says there is no God. And in their mindset and in their thinking, they just fall back. I, I want to read verses 21, 22, and 23 in the Amplified. It says, Because when they knew and recognized Him as God, they did not honor and glorify Him as God or gave Him thanks. But instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginations, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations. And their senseless minds were darkened. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be smart, they made simpletons of themselves. And by them, the glory and majesty and excellence of the immoral God were exchanged for and represented by images resembling mortal man, birds, beasts, and reptiles. They digressed. That, that, that's what happens with man. They fall back. And yet from, from verse 20, verses 24 to about verse 28, as, as they become more and more wicked, it says, therefore God gave them up to uncleanness. What, what, what a sad commentary there that God would give them up to their own devices. Later on it says that He gives them over to their passionate or their vile passions. And then He says that he, God gave them over to debased minds. What, what a sad state of affairs when God says, you want to go do that? Go ahead. Go on with your bad self. See what happens. And man, when he is left to his own devices, becomes more and more wicked, more and more vile. They become more and more perverted. I, I know that, that today, and I wanna, I'll probably mention some things of today, but it's nothing new, people. This was written 2,000 years ago, and they were dealing with the things that you and I are dealing with today. When it says here that God gave them up to uncleanness in their lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves... Why? Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They, 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 they looked at the truth and said, we don't want the truth because the truth 
would show them where they are wrong. And so they don't want to be wrong, so they will believe the lie. And the lie tells them, you just believe what you want to believe. And whatever you think is right is right to you. And man who thinks in his own mind what is right is, is headed for death and destruction, the Proverbs say. That when man decides this is right in my own eyes, then there is death and destruction and hurt coming his way. But they exchange the truth for a lie. And worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust for one another, committing those things which are shameful. And receiving for themselves penalty for their error, which was due. Part of this lie that we are living in today. They they, they call it love, but it's not love, it's lust. God calls it lust. And, and, And what is being pushed on us today, and again, it's nothing new because it was happening back then. And, and, and all Paul had to do when he was writing this was step out of his door wherever he was staying in, the, in Corinth because it was a wicked city and he saw all the perversion that was going out there. He's probably thinking, okay, God, the wrath of God. Well, let me look outside what's going on. Oh, yeah, and this happens and that's happening. And, and it, it, he was penning it because he was seeing it back then, but we're seeing it today. And I know that we, we sometimes think like, well, if we could only go back to the 50s and, and stuff, it, was all per- it, it wasn't perfect back then either. But it is more in our face today than ever before. And people are saying, you believe, if you believe the truth, you're outdated. Believe the lie. Because if you believe the lie, you don't have to answer to anyone. And no one can tell you that you're wrong. If we all believe the lie. And so you're being sold, or we're being sold, a bill of goods. Because when you and I stand for the truth, then we get made fun of, right? If we stand for the truth, then you are the bigot. You are the intolerant one because you are not allowing the lie to take root. When we say no to to, to same-sex marriage, it's like, why would you stop them from loving one another? It's like, I'm sorry, but God calls it lust. It's not love. Well, who are you to say? Well, I'm not saying it. It's the Bible that says it because I'm standing on the truth. But when you stand for that, then you will, they will come against you. Again, kind of just knowing what we were going to be covering in the last month or so, reading articles about bakeries in Colorado who have to make a cake for same-sex marriage. Christian, Christian bakery. Don't you think that they would have the right to say, you know what, go to another Bakery, I'm sure they would love to take your money and they will, they'll, they'll, they'll do whatever you want, but I will not do that. They take it to court and the courts make that man make a cake for these people. But he can't stand on his principles and on his religion because he is being unfair, intolerant, homophobic. And it's like, so this man saying, no, the truth says that I don't, I don't want to do that. See, the penalty should be he should have just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with my business. Throw me in jail. Do whatever it takes. 
But I think the way it looks like he was succumbing to the pressures. Some of you guys who, who follow Duck Dynasty and stuff, a guy can't even quote the Bible without being made fun of and, 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 and being cast out as this bigot because he stands on some principles. He's saying, this is the truth. And they're saying, man, you are so intolerant. I don't know, how many of you guys watched the, the Rose Parade this, this, the other day? Guess what they had at the end? They had a gay married couple, a gay couple getting married. It's like, how many kids are out there going, why are those two men kissing up there? But see, they're, they're throwing it in our face day in and day out. And yet God is saying, you know, these are not natural things. But they're telling you it is natural. They're telling us that it is natural. And it's like, no, it cannot be natural. Two female parts cannot come together and make light. <laughs> They cannot hold anything to, together. Two male parts cannot. And I, I, I ran, went on this tirade months ago on a Sunday morning. I don't know if you guys remember. But everything in our world deals with male-female parts. Everything. These things cannot be held together without male-female parts. If they had all female parts, it could not stand together. Because there's male-female parts all over the place. Everything. You can't even plug in your cell phone. It can't even be held together without <coughs> male-female parts. See, that is the natural part. And yet God says, I will give them over. He says that he gave them over to a debased mind. To where people, not just back then, but today, are saying, no, two female parts can do okay. It's like, no, they can't. Two male parts can do whatever they want. It's like, that's not natural. That's not natural. And I know people that we will battle this until Jesus comes back for us. It's going to get worse. But if we can stand on the word of God, not hate these people, not, not, not be mean to them, but whenever we are confronted, that we would stand up for truth, not back down. What, 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 what would be the consequences for not backing down? Well, maybe this owner in, in Colorado, the bakery, has to lose his business. Oh, well, start another business. Do something else, but don't bow down to them. And I know that, again, we are being told that we have to be tolerant even within the church. Well, guess what? God is not tolerant with sin. His wrath will come upon the ungodly and the unrighteous. God is not tolerant of sin. Oh, if people repent... Oh, he forgives, but he will not be tolerant of sin. And they can deny him all they want, day in and day out. They can teach our schools, our colleges. They can, in the media, day in and day out, tell you how wrong you are. But guess what? You're not going to have to stand before them on Judgment Day. You stand before God. You, you stand and fall before Him, the Almighty. He is the one that reveals the righteousness and He reveals the wrath. What side do you want to be on? If, if you have accepted Christ and you have received the righteousness of a God, guess what? These people, what's happening today like it's happened throughout the centuries, cannot change you unless you let them change you. We stand for righteousness. And, and you know what? If, if that means that we have to shut our doors and we go into to the underground, that's what we do. We go underground, 
right? Or, or, or we bow down to the society. But I'm going to stand. We should stand for the truth. You know, reading this portion and, and going over it for the last several weeks, and I'm going over it and going, man, there is so much. And it's like, well, it's, there's nothing different than Paul was looking at. We are battling just like Paul was, was battling. Paul stood up for righteousness. He knew what this would mean also back in the day. The Roman Empire was full of homosexuality activity. Corinth was full of that. It was nothing new to him. It wasn't shocking him. It shouldn't shock us, guys, that the world is headed in that direction. But it doesn't mean that we succumb to them. Guys, we need to pray for them because God wants them saved just like anybody else. And that sin is just as bad as any other sin. And so we need to be praying how God can use us in people's lives. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we feel like, well, we have to accept their behavior so, so we can love on them. It's like, no, you don't have to. God does not accept their behavior. He loves them, though. And we tell them the truth. And then they make up their own decision. Not that we have to be mean. But you know what? Speaking the truth, Against the lie, people desire the lie instead of the truth. And they will continue in that lie. But that's not up to you to save them. You speak the truth in love. You share with them what what we have been learning even through here. Read it on your own. See what the Lord deals with you about. Because I think some of us have to stand up for the truth. And not bow down to the lie. We need to understand. Because again... As, as we finish off in these last few verses, he says in verse 29, be, uh, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, uh, lasciviousness, no, maliciousness, <laughs> full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Those things that he has mentioned here are the same things that we are dealing with today, but he was dealing with them 2,000 years ago, guys. And throughout the centuries... People have dealt with the same thing. So why do we get shocked? We should know what the Word of God says and not be moved by what the world throws at us. That's the natural thing. (laughs) They're denying the, the, the existence of God day in and day out. But where are you at? Where are you at? Are you standing for what you know? Because if you don't know the Word of God, then you're going to fall for the lie. And unless you stand up for righteousness, how's your family, how's your kids going to stand up for righteousness? It's a battle. I know that. I have felt it in my own life. It's a battle. But we stand for what is true. And we don't back down. And so I want to encourage you guys because what Paul wrote about 2,000 years ago is just as real today as it was back then. And we should not be surprised what the world is going to do. 
because they will continue to applaud what is evil, what is unrighteous, what is ungodly. They will continue to applaud and laud the the lie instead of the truth. And we're seeing more and more of it in this country. We've been considered a Christian nation for years. And I still consider it a Christian nation. But the wrath of God will fall upon this nation because of what it has allowed. And our leaders are just as guilty. But again, our leaders is not what we have our hope in. You and I are the ones that have to stand. And I believe this year is going to be harder to stand than it was last year. (laughs) That's exciting. Because guess what? You're going to be tested. You're going to be you're going to be pressured. You're going to be stretched. And how are you going to fare, guys? Get into the Word of God, study the Word of God, so you know what you need to stand on. Because if you don't have the Word of God, what are you going to stand on? You're going to fall for everything, and the lie is just as prevalent. And so I want to encourage you guys, steady on. What we're looking at here, Paul is building the case that you know what man is guilty. We're just as guilty without Jesus Christ. Those things that we mentioned, we, we can be a part of every one of those things. And from verses 29 to 31, we can be involved with every one of those, except for Jesus Christ. He has saved us from those things. And let's, let's continue to stand on, on Him. Amen? Amen? Let's stand. <coughs> Father, as we do look at Your Word, Lord God, and we see the... the um, just the, the, the rawness of it, Lord God, and, and how you didn't hold anything back here, Lord. But as you reveal to us, Lord God, what the, what the wrath of God is coming against, Lord, our hearts break for those who, who, are, who are caught up in that right now, Lord. They, they refuse to, to go after the truth and are following after a lie, Lord. And many of our family members are, are there. And we pray for them right now that you would speak to their hearts, Lord. Lord, if they're not going to listen to us, then bring other, other believers into their lives, Lord, that they can speak these truths, Lord. God, they're tired of hearing it from us, Lord. But I pray that you would use others in our stead. I pray that we would not diminish any kind of light that you've given us, that we would let it continue to shine. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that you would go before us, as this world continues to grow darker and darker, Lord, let our light shine even brighter. And we thank you, Lord God, for your truth. We thank you that we can stand on it, Lord God. And I pray that if there's anyone here who's battling that this this evening, I pray that this, this evening, Lord God, they would they would find a, a place for prayer to come to you, Lord God, because they've 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 succumbed to this world's pressure. And so Father, I pray for them that Lord you would strengthen them. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.